0: Hi, this is Megan Carey, and you're listening to an episode of On the Griddle on the Nerfa 365 podcast. This is an opportunity for you to hear from top DJs and radio promoters in the folk Americana world about their tastes, what they listen for, like, dislike, and are totally turned off by in a song. We've solicited submissions of radio-ready tunes from the folk community, and randomly and blindly chosen several songs to present to our radio experts. They'll listen to the first 60 seconds of the song and give us their honest, uncensored feedback and let us know whether or not they'd play it on their show. The name of the song and the artist will only be revealed to them after their responses. Now let's meet our host, Biff Kennedy. Biff has been involved in radio promotion, artist rep, and artist and label consultation for almost 50 years. He started out in the mailroom and was hired by CBS in his early 20s. Biff is now the founder and COO of his own company, Charterhouse Music Group where he continues his work developing, nurturing, and promoting artists. Here's Biff Kennedy.
1: Thanks, Megan, for that uh, lovely introduction. Uh, Aidan, if you would, uh, find us another song, please.
2: I used to fly planes to faraway places Spent a lot of time in really cool spaces Doing really cool things Like playing my songs in Camden Town Walking around to as the sun went down Never questioning Where These days I don't stray far I spend a lot of time in my backyard Mostly just remembering Remembering how things used to be Thinking a lot about you and me
1: Mary Sue, would you lead us in prayer?
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, what what a very nice voice, uh, very uh, rich voice, um, and I did enjoy the intro to the song, uh, kind of almost wistful guitar sliding right into that first note on the guitar, with a nice wash um, underneath. Um, this is. I I guess if there was anything that I might desire with this piece is perhaps some tighter writing. There's some use of words that was repetitive, like the word cool. Um, And I just felt maybe it could be a tighter um, composition in terms of lyrics. Um, But really beautiful voice and, you know, um, yeah. Thank you.
1: Thank you. I actually enjoyed the use of the word "cool" in in that setting there for uh, one second. Uh, is that something that would fit um, texturally into village programming?
3: Um, I would not program this song. No. Okay.
1: Ron, some thoughts on that, please. Yeah,
4: I, I agree. I kind of like the way she used the word "cool" in that. Uh, you know, it was a very simple song, uh, but I thought she she pulled it off pretty well. Um, The voice, I kind of got a hint of like a Karen Carpenter in in, in that, in her vocals. Uh, And I like the fact that the vocals were front and center because, you know, one thing I've noticed with audiences, uh, at least on Folk Music Notebook, is that they want to hear the words. And especially nowadays when people are listening on their phones and other questionable devices, um, you need to really be able to concentrate on what the lyrics are. Um, it was a, a cute little song. Um, I, I would play it, um, and I would like to hear more.
1: Okay. Um, how would your Folk Music Notebook listeners tell you about their reactions to this material?
4: Um, well, there are a couple of things. First of all, they, they, they can usually email me. Uh, if there's something that they really like, they'll, I'll get an email about it. Uh, but I also, because we're an internet radio channel, I can actually look at who's listening at any given time and I can see trends when certain songs are playing, if the numbers start to drop off, uh, you know what's working and what's not working. or you know a song that I may have programmed for the wrong time slot. Um, but you know I, I can usually tell when uh, when, I, when I get a request or if people stay from the beginning to the end of the song.
1: Mm-hmm. So you're kind of your own human algorithm.
4: I'm processing I, the
1: data as you go.
4: I, I do everything. I... <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> Even sweep the floors. Okay. That's cool. Eric, some thoughts on that, please.
5: Um, yeah, so so uh compare like with the last song versus this one. What this one does, I think um Marilyn was pointing to, I think it's kind of like you know, some songs take you on an escape to something that's different. This is like you hear this song, and I think a good part about it is. It's it's today. It's like what people are thinking about and feeling today. I think people can relate. It was um it had a sort of up up tempo, cheerful vibe to it. Um, which is not, you know, which is hopefully where, <laughs> where we're going, hopefully where we are all the time. But I I, I you know, I, I wrote down another carpenter. I wrote down Mary Chapin Carpenter. Um, um I thought the lyrics, I like the lyrics, I like the vocal, I like the build to it. Um, and I like that it was a little more timely. Like it's kind of, I think when a listener, when they hear something like, Oh wait, like that was written in, you know, that could have been written yesterday or this week or this month, this is, it's like relevant now. So that would be something that would, that would pique my interest as far as promoting it as a single, I promote albums and singles. If I'm promoting a single, (laughs) it's Marilyn's on this panel. I heard her talk about it 20 years ago in in a panel at Nerfa that, um, you know, they that DJs, like, when they're playing music of, of someone, that they feel like they're giving an endorsement to that artist and their album. So it's not just one song they're looking for, it's more. To, to have one song get consideration for airplay by DJs is a real trick. It's got to have a lot going for it. Um, if I hear 10 songs at work as an album, that's one thing. If I have to try to promote a single, it's got to have a lot going for it. What this has going for it is that it sounds like it was written this month could have been in the past year or two but but it sounds like now and that it, djs gravitate to um to songs that are addressing the songs that are addressing now and uh and what's going on so um so i thought it was very pleasant again it took me back to 90s um uh you know mary chapin carpenter or uh mm-hmm. similar and and I right. like that a lot.
1: If um, in in the domain of your promotion of singles to folk music radio, uh, and your curation process, do you ask artists to submit multiple songs, and you choose what might best represent the single, or are <laughs> they doing
5: that? I you know an artist can send me a song um, if if they've got if it's a part of the next album, I say hey, can I listen to the whole album? Um, it, or I'll be like if it's from an older album, I might do it just because it's relevant now, but I'll say, can I listen to your whole library? Um, I would love for like artists send me songs that are, that are not timely that are not. And I said, well, no, I want it to be timely. Like doesn't can't just be your next, your latest good song. Like Marilyn said, 20 years ago, and that panel said, wait till you have a collection of 10 and make an album. Um, it's, we don't just want your next Greatest song, and and so uh, the perfect example, anecdotally, is um you know two years ago when Tom Rao came up with twenty dollar bill. Yes, um, we didn't want to wait for an album. We wanted that song yes. now. Um, why would I promote a single? I, what is the reason that the DJs have to have that now? And so there's got to be some timeliness to it. So yes, um, artists are great at making songs. They're not always great at picking which one they think should be the single. So I'm like, well, oh, could I listen to the rest? And meanwhile someone's got an album that's coming out in 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 march well in april we we sent out a single early in march and he sent me a song it's like it's an irish tune for st patrick's and i'm like ah it sounds pretty irish it's a pretty good one well yeah there was another song on that album that i didn't hear yet <laughs> it called that it's called that's what makes me irish and i just gave it away probably but um, i'm like why didn't you send me that song <laughs> that song is the one that would have gotten kind of played so artists aren't always great at picking which one should be the single and if I have a choice, I'd say, let me listen to the whole album and uh, let me see what I hear something's gonna something might strike me that you you' not you wouldn't mm-hmm. have considered.
1: Uh, could I ask you to speak yeah. for one minute about uh, um Mr. Crusada Rao and twenty dollar bill and how that in the folk tradition traveled across the United States and across other artists doing a version of that song. Could you speak to that?
5: Yeah, sure. So I guess it was mid, mid June is when the DJs got it, but it was written the, um, Memorial day. I think it was written that night, um, after the news of, uh, of, um, George Floyd, the name that's escaping it, George Floyd. Right. And, um, and Tom recorded it in his basement and it was a worn out live recording in his basement. And it just struck people that it took off. Um, it, got, it started getting covered by people uh left and right like everybody How many? um uh, over well so as far as i know there's there's over 200 i don't i can't say if there's over 300 but there's certainly over 200 covers of that song and 100 of them probably within the first 2 weeks um it was only so i promote singles by putting them on a compilation cd to send in to dj's and this is also an idea that that Marilyn brought up a couple of years ago in a, um in a workshop with a uh, and I said, well, I don't know if I could make that happen. And, and I tried it. And I put all the out, all the songs on a CD because DJs still primarily want DJ uh, yes. CDs. Um, Tom's song didn't make it to the to folk radio until mid June. The charts go for a calendar month, so he missed two weeks of the month. His song was never put on a CD. It was only digital. Well, the DJs needed that song. They needed it so much they broke the rules and said, we're gonna play something. That I only have digital. They didn't have it on a CD. And it was number one that month on folk on folk DJ. So that is the example of what is why do DJs need this now? Well, they needed that now. They went out of their way to get it. They did not want to be the one DJ who did not play that song at that time. So $20 bill addressing the shooting of George Floyd. And it was it's a very simply written folk song with Tom Rao's completely knockout vocal delivery, which is on every song of his. Um, and the DJs ate it up for for a good reason. It was, you know, I can't think of another time where it's been a song that's that's um, that's had the same impact in that Beautiful. way. Beautiful, <clears throat> thank you, Mary Sue. Did you play Twenty
3: Dollar Bill? I did. In fact, I featured it in our Folk Unlocked with the Folk Alliance International, and um, I got it as soon as I heard it.
4: Great,
1: Ron. <clears throat> Oh, yeah. Did you play twenty dollar bill?
4: Absolutely. In fact, I uh, the first time I saw it, I saw Tom's uh, original video on uh, his Facebook page. So I wrote to him. I said, "Tom, can I play this?" And he gave me permission. Within a week, I also got a version from Dan Navarro, and then I've got about twenty other versions that are in our, yes. our rotation
1: now. Yeah. So you play multiple versions of that song? Yeah, I do. Yeah?
4: I, it's so important. I think that's mm-hmm. uh, and each artist, I think the words are the same but you can get a different emotion from the different takes that have been given
1: yes great Marilyn did you play twenty dollar bill
6: well I did the same that Ron did I saw it on uh, YouTube and um, listened to it four times sent him a Facebook message and a few hours later he had uh, Tom had very kindly he said well you know it's just kind of like this crap mix that I did in my own house, but he sent me the uh, a wave version of it, and I played it that wow. Saturday night right away. The next show I played it, and it's still my favorite version. Maybe it's because it's the first mm-hmm. one I heard, but it's so raw mm-hmm. and important. And people just went nuts for it, as we know we know, across the world.
5: Do you
1: play other uh, versions of the song? Yeah, and, and
6: yeah. I, uh, I have a few other versions, but You know, like I said, it's it's once a week, and so so that's the one I play in. And I would be very surprised. I am not particularly spiritual or religious, but I would be very surprised if Pete Seeger hadn't come down and (laughs) put his hand on Tom's shoulder and said, Tom, you got a song to write, son. Mm -hmm. That's what it felt like to me when I saw him do it on YouTube.
1: And apparently your reactions were immediate, and you were proactive in tracking it down. This can still happen. With all the music that programmers receive, 30, 40, 50 records a week, it's encouraging to know that people will still take the time and the energy to go find even more music. Marilyn, did you have a thought about the record we heard before we uh, kind of uh, went down uh, the Tom path for a moment?
2: Oh,
6: yes, I, I did. Um, first of all, Relevance, loved it. I loved the way it, it It was as if I was walking by this person's house and the gate swung open and they pulled me up onto their front porch to talk about it. And what was so intense for me about this particular song is that I have had literally this same conversation with people around the country who I have not been able to see. You know, I'm sitting in my backyard thinking about you. I mean, literally that precise conversation and I know that if I played it on the midnight special there would be people who were streaming the show in the Bay Area in California who would send me a note and say oh my gosh these are the thoughts I was thinking and that's what that's what an artist tries to do with their art is to tap in to something so specific at first I was worried is this going to be a song whining about how she can't tour as a musician? You know, is this going to be too personal? But no. She very quickly brought it to a universal experience, which is a very subtle thing to do. And even though it's a very simple song and, you know, it's nothing fancy about it, but I think it would speak to people Mm -hmm. right now. And I, I also wonder, I haven't heard the whole song, of course. I also wonder if it might not be one of those songs that feels very specific to this moment and then morphs into something we can continue to play, like uh, Pat Humphreys and Sandy Opatow's Peace, "Salam Shalom, which was all about the war in the Middle East. And then it's one of those worldwide phenomena that continue mm-hmm. to speak to us today. I just played it uh, at a, a talk I did um, yesterday. Great. And people immediately, had never heard it before, immediately chimed in and they related to it. So that's, she may have a song like that in this mm-hmm. one.
1: Depending. Mary Sue, did you want to add something to the conversation?
3: This is for the editors. Um, just for the record, George Floyd was not shot. Um, he was pinned and that uh, needs to be edited, I I believe. That's,
1: that's okay, so. great. Thank you. Uh, Megan, can you tell us? Who that was, please.
0: <clears throat> Absolutely. That was Lynn Hansen, and the song was called Hold My Breath. Lynn is out of Ottawa, Ontario, and she I think she definitely did tap into at least all of what you guys here were thinking. Um, she describes this song as being about the need for connection and kindness and the importance of living in the moment, which is so you know clearly right now, but also can carry on. Uh, long beyond this, this time of isolation. And um, she, although she describes herself as too tough for folk and too blues influence for country, um, she is a two-time Canadian Folk Music Award winner, She's also a recipient of the Colleen P- Peterson Songwriting Award, winner of the Blues and Roots Radio International Song Contest, two-time Folk Music Ontario Blues Award winner, two-time Indie Acoustic Project Alt-Country Album of the Year winner, and a two-time Kervil New Folk finalist. So she's um, she's definitely got the experience, and she's, she's definitely out there being heard and, and appreciated, just like all of you seem to have, have done.
1: Great. And I think the first Canadian we've heard today. Yes. 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 From Ottawa.
0: You've been listening to an episode of On the Griddle on the Nerfa 365 podcast. Learn more about our content and community at nerfa.org.
2: To faraway places, spent a lot of time in really cool spaces, doing really cool things, like playing my songs in Camden Town, walking around to as the sun went down, never questioning. Well, these days I don't stray far. I spend a lot of time in my backyard. Mostly just remembering, remembering how things used to be, thinking a lot about you and me, and till I see. Cause I miss your smile and I miss your heart The smell of your hair, I miss every little part Guess I have to hold my